everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Almost Dead Brother. This is Dan Knight here. Hello. With my brother, Sam Knight. Hi, Sam. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good. How are you doing tonight? Not bad. Great. Coming up on the weekend. Yeah, the weekend's coming. Everybody's working for the weekend. And we're joined here today by our beautiful red-headed younger sisters, Katie and Andy. Hi. Hello. Our normal sidekicks. How are you guys doing tonight? Well, thank you. I'm doing great. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, tonight we are going to take and answer a bunch of listener questions. We're very grateful for all our listeners that are loyal, that have listened to all of our rambling episodes. And tonight we're going to try to answer as many as we can until Sam gets too tired. But before we do that, we are going to do a little medical update. Another interesting thing about this episode tonight is it's going to be airing sooner. Most of the episodes we've recorded, we've aired like a month after the fact and so forth. Like the last episode last week was with your daughter, Courtney and Samantha, right? Yep. That was July 7th. Today, as we record this, is August 21st, so it's been a while. We've had a hiatus. More than a month. Summer vacay. Katie and Andy have been vacationing. I've been out of town. So we're recording this tonight, and hopefully with Katie's magical editing, we'll have it out in the next few days. So we wanted to get caught up on some listener questions and talk about Sam's health. So Sam, tell us what your health is like these days. And where you are. Well, I'm at, uh, called the SNF, a skilled nursing facility in Orem. By the name of Orchard Park? Or do you not want to reveal that? No, by the name of Orchard Park. Just trying to stay comfortable. What do you feel like? Like right now, you feeling stronger or? I feel overall bad. Like from the last time we recorded on July 7th, over a month ago, you feel the same or worse today from that or better? I mean, you don't have IVs and stuff right now. Yeah. It's probably better. Yeah, like this is better. I guess it's kind of hard to say because on any given day, you'd feel pretty good and the next day you'd feel as bad as you've ever felt. Yeah. Just you get really sick, and then you get better. And Are you eating more these days, and are you throwing up most things you eat? I'm not throwing up nearly as much. I am still throwing up, but it's not, like, all the time. So I'm starting to expand my stomach a little bit. So with all the pancreatitis issues, it's caused problems with your stomach, your pancreas, your liver. Gallbladder. Gallbladder, which they took out. So Spleen. Basically, anything that has to do with... The Digestion is tough to deal with. Yep. Getting shot in the gut is a scary spot to get shot. So if you get shot, you want to get shot in the shoulder or lower leg? or You know, you think, oh, he shot him right in the gut. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, if you got shot in the gut. Like probably, shot? Shot? You're talking like... Like with a gun, you mean? Or like punch. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Shot. I mean, it would be bad. Not but... like getting a shot from the doctor. You're talking about like... Anybody that gets, gets shot. shot in the gut, it would suck for him. But, but for you're you... saying for you, it'd be fatal. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm getting shot. I'm just saying, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Even for you, it'd be like a punch. Like, if I got shot in the gut and you got punched in the gut, probably about the same recovery time for both of us. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. As we mentioned before, we are going to answer some questions from our awesome listeners. So, Sam, perk up your ears and get ready for this. First one comes from Eric Fillmore. Mm, Yeah. Describe to our audience who Eric Fillmore is. He's a friend of mine from high school, played football at that level, and then he went on to play at... Didn't he play at, like, Tulane He or played at Rick's College and then Tulane. Was he, like, a lineman, like, big guy? Yeah, he was. Whatever became of him. When's the last time you saw him? Last I saw him, he was skinny. 
and he was just down here for the 4th of July. Oh, but he lives long ways away somewhere? Like in uh, Idaho. He's not related to Doug Fillmore, your friend. No. Yeah, Doug Fillmore from a previous episode is a friend of his probably too, but they're not related that we know of. Right. Okay, so here's the question from Eric Fillmore. Does Sam realize how much he is admired among his high school classmates? I always looked up to him and admired how he was friends with every clique in high school. I love hearing about Sam and I listen religiously. So what do you think of that? That's a really nice thing to hear. Does that ring true to you? I mean, there was times when I thought it did burden me, but um, I didn't notice anybody notice it. Like, I didn't think anybody would watch that. Like, can you give examples of maybe not names, but the types of people you would be friendly with in high school? I know you were way into sports. All the cowboys and the muscle car guys. And stuff you were like buddies that. with all those guys, too? What about the nerds? Yeah, were you friends with any of the nerds? Or what about the singers and the drama people? Or the huggers. Huggers? We call them the huggers. Oh. Hug all the time. Drama people I didn't do very well with. Oh, why not? They're too dramatic. They are dramatic. I guess that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> They're just doing their job. Trying to get through high school. Give them a break. Okay, so do you feel like that was a good, astute observation from Eric that you got along with all the different cliques? I do. Well, thanks, Eric. We're going to move along to our next question. This is from a good friend of mine and yours that was one of my best buddies growing up. He's my age. His name is Brady Whittingham. And this is a two-part question about our alma mater. He's talking about elementary school, Wasatch Elementary. Uh First, he says, Sam, do you remember helping Jay Morgan enforce the rule about not wearing Little League jerseys to school? Do you remember that? No. I don't remember that either. Maybe we'll have to have Brady clarify that. I don't think wearing jerseys was a cool thing back then. But we did it just on game days. You would wear them to school? Doubt it. I doubt mom would let us. Yeah, I don't know about that one. So good try on that question, Brady. But we're going to move on to the second part. The second part is going to bring all of us in on this. Katie and Andy, get ready. He says, I've never met anyone who went to Wasatch that couldn't sing their elementary school song. I'd really love to hear the four of you sing our school song together. Dan should probably lead since he's had choir experience. Yes, I was in the choir for one year because my mom paid me. Okay, you guys think you can do it? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. A one, a two, a one, two, three. There is a school that's called the Wasatch where we love to be each day. Teachers here and friends are here to help us work and play. I'm proud to say that we're from Wasatch and we really think it's grand. We'll sing and we'll shout, for there is no doubt it's the best school in the land. That's good for Prado. I think we could have picked up the pace a little bit. You want to do it again? No, I just, (laughs) it was good for no practice, but. Do they want the Cougar Fight song now? Is it the same tune as the Cougar Fight song? No. No. It has its own tune. Whoever wrote the Wasatch Fight song did a good job. Do you think they did a good job? We We all remember it. We remember it from 40 years ago. I wonder if they still sing it to this day. I don't know. Ask your kids. They go to Wasatch. Yeah, you're the one that would know. (laughs) I should know that. Okay, awesome. Our next question is from Vegas Mom. We think we know who that is, but her question is, Sam, have you ever been shanked? Why, yes, I have. (laughs) 
We're talking about prison, like jail shanked? Well, same concept. It was just somebody shoved a shank, a knife, into my bum. <laughs> like, onto the side like of my bum. Like your butt cheek? Yeah. Did it pierce it? Oh, yeah. It was buried. Like blood? <laughs> yeah. Did you go All to the ER way. and get stitches? Well, my oldest sister, Karen, was cutting um, birthday presents off. Where were you? It was Lennon's birthday. Who's Lennon? For our listeners, I know who he is. <laughs> Holly's oldest. Holly is our oldest niece, who is the oldest daughter of our oldest sister. And it's her oldest son, so a lot of oldest. So you were in Vegas at Holly's house with Karen? Yeah, I was there for a summer. Oh, that's right. Okay, so what happened? It was Lennon's birthday party, and Karen was... Cutting the, you know, wrapping paper so she wouldn't have to make a big mess. And I even noticed, too, I watched her take the knife like she's going to put it up on the counter and duck it so it's sticking up. In between the cushions? In between the cushion and the arm. Why did she do that? She thought the kids would grab it if she put it on the counter? Yeah, I guess. So she thought it'd be better to hide it in the couch with the blade up? <laughs> I asked her, but she said she didn't want to cut the fabric of the couch. Right. Better Sam's butt and on then the she, couch. Was she planning on retrieving it shortly? <laughs> she was. She just forgot. And then the next morning I came down and did a little hip diddy hot. It was the chase lounger. So I just did a little flip over it, trying to be all fancy. <laughs> and landed on it? Yep. In your right butt cheek? Yep. Did you get blood on the couch? I don't think so. When I came up, the knife came with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Like through your pants and so forth? Who was there? Everybody. And then they have a nurse that lived across the street, and I was just like, Ugh. Did she pull the knife out, or did you pull the knife? I think she did. Did she get to see your bum? Yeah. <laughs> That's awkward. I know. Because you have not that good of a bum. I know. I warned her. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, so yes, Vegas mom, he has been changed. Did he get stitches or just I don't think she stitched me. I think she said, oh, it'll probably be okay. Um, Okay, well, let's move on. We've got some other awesome questions. This next one comes from Jim Blair. Yeah, one. President Blair, Bishop Blair. But to me and Sam, he's Jim Blair. Jimmy? Jimmy Blair. Jimmy Blair. To Katie and Andy, he's President Blair because he was just recently released as stake president in the Oak Hill Stake. It's true. He's a great guy. He's been my friend since kindergarten. Really good friend. He talks about listening to all of our episodes up to now and how he enjoys it because it brings back a lot of memories of the Wilkinson Center and our different houses on Apple Avenue, Oak Lane. And he remembers the Little League baseball teams and... All kinds of stuff. He remembers our dad conducting sacrament meeting in church and ward ball at the field house. And he can also picture Sam in the hospital, but he's quite shocked that you weigh 170 pounds. But here is his question. He said, Sam, what did bishops or other Oak Hill second ward members do that really meant a lot to you? So Jim and all of us grew up in the same ward, the Oak Hill second ward. I'd say that that ward, it was just fun being a part of it because everybody was like a family. We go to Lake Powell together and we do all kinds of fun stuff. My kids are jealous because they don't get to go to Lake Powell very much and a lot of their friends go. But I tell them stories about going to Lake Powell. It seemed like we went every summer in the Oak Hill Second Ward. We did too. Yeah, it was our youth conference every summer. Who are some individuals in the Oak Hill Second Ward that you remember that you liked or that had an impact on you? Tony Brooks was always a salty old favorite to talk to. He's into sports. He used to be a basketball ref. He used to ref our dad's basketball games when he was in high school. So he was way older than even our dad. Who else? Mike Gledhill. I remember Gledhill. Was he like a Sunday school teacher or what did he do? He was just a teacher that was cool. Sunday school. Dave Clark. Oh yeah, Clarks were 
were a big part of Oak Hill Second Ward. What did Dave Clark do that stood out? He found out I needed to start working and make a change in my life, and he helped me do it. What did he do to help you? He got me started in a career of electrician. That's right. Dave was uh, an electrical contractor and hired you, right? And mm-hmm. that's what you've done your whole career. And started. So you were kind of like an apprentice? Exactly. Oh, that's cool. I have a remembrance of one of our youth leaders, Keith Hamilton. Stud. What do you remember about Keith? I really like Keith. I used to babysit for him. Did you? Yeah. This is back in the 80s. Yeah, Keith was one of the first African-American members of the church that I got to know really well. He was from North Carolina, and he got converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints there and moved here and got married and was going to law school at BYU. But he was like the young men's president in our ward. And do you remember when we went to Lake Powell and he was there and he got out in a little raft or canoe or something? (laughs) He started taunting us, like saying that we couldn't hit him with rocks. And so me and you, and Jim Blair everybody and all of us we just were pelting him with rocks like full on rocks because so- he was talking smack like oh you guys can't even throw throw it this far then he'd try to bat him down with his oar but we'd be throwing like five at a you time you guys play baseballs yeah we could throw it so that was pretty funny that's funny anybody else and Woolsey was always really nice Oh, yeah. Sister Woolsey was awesome. It was a good ward to grow up in. Okay, so that was the first part of Jim's question. Jim had a couple questions here. So, Sam, do you remember a Mike Gledhill Sunday school class where I came upstairs and you hit me in the gut as hard as you could just to see what I could take? Do you remember that? No, but that's really mean. That is kind of. I can't a, believe I did that. How old would you have been then? Teenagers had to be teenager. Clearly, Jim remembers. Well, it. I think he could take it. Okay. It stuck with him. It stuck with him, but he's here to talk about it. He felt like I earned my stripes. Now I can talk about it all I want. <laughs> okay, here's another one. This is like a four part question. Sam, do you remember hiding with Matt Clark in the bushes across the street from someone who had stolen some money from me while I went to confront him about it? You remember hiding in the bushes? I can't remember that story, the whole thing. So do you think it was like he was nervous to confront the person he owes, so he wanted you to wait in the bushes in case anything went down and you're protecting him? Maybe. Okay. And then the last part was Sam and Dan talk about any nicknames you gave people. And then he signs off with much love. Hiam Bagoon. Clever. Can you say how you guys used to say it? Hiam Bagoon. That was the Jim Blair nickname. Oh. Do we have other nicknames? Like, what about your siblings? You have nicknames for your siblings. You guys had a rude one for me. You had a rude one for me, too. <laughs> Chronic. Chronic. It was Little Anal Annie. <laughs> little Anal Annie. <laughs> so yeah. rude. Well. It, it is what it is. It kind of worked. So, yeah, we did have a lot of nicknames for people. Well, the Clarks all had tons of nicknames. Matt called his brother Steve Ron and his younger brother Drew Gills an ace. So there was another question from also an Oak Hill second member, Ryan Van Buren. He says, growing up watching you dominate the church softball league was awesome. At one point, you'd refer to your trusty old mitt as a vacuum because it sucked up anything that got close. What happened to the vacuum? He's probably talking about the mitt you... I know. Yeah, we don't need to even talk about it. So next, we're going to move on to another question. This one is from a friend of your daughter, Samantha. Her name is Mandy McAllister. She used to actually work for me as well when Mandy and Courtney worked for me. So Mandy says, this is to me, Dan, how did you keep a healthy relationship with your brother all these years? Or were there times when it wasn't so easy? It's kind of up and down, I guess. There's been times where we weren't. any relationship. Yeah. 
It kind of reminds me of our best buddies growing up. Seems like a lot of guys' grudges kind of melt away. Yeah. You do things to each other that make you mad, and there were times when I was mad at you, and there were times when you were mad at me. But can you think of a specific time, like when you guys were teenagers, that? Something happened that... I can't. When we were teenagers, we'd fight all the time. But it was always around playing sports and getting mad at each other because he cheats or he vows or whatever. He's nodding his head yes. He admits it. I was going to say, Sam always had to be the banker when we played Monopoly. Oh, yeah. For sure. Stuff like that was bad. You'd have like extra $500 bills <laughs> under his and all my pockets. <laughs> yeah, but like what about... Didn't you one time get pulled over and use Dan's name? Oh. Yeah. I was with you. Did you do it? Yeah, for sure he did. Yes, he did that. Did I get away with it that time? Yeah, I was with you and uh, the you guys, guys like, what's your name? You're like Dan Knight and you knew his birthday and everything. And yeah, he used to take money out of my bank account too. I know. That's how it went both times I used his name. He had my social magical. security number. I had it all memorized. So did you ever confront him about that? I think I didn't even find out until he told me. When I was in teenager mode, I didn't really focus on my bank account. You weren't like, tracking your I didn't expenses? Really know. If he took 20 bucks, I probably wouldn't have known. Did you know about Sam's addiction when you were in high school? I knew he was partying, you know? I didn't think of it as an addiction. Did you know he was doing drugs? Well, I thought he might be smoking marijuana. That wasn't as big a deal, but I had no idea he was doing anything more than that. Yeah, I guess that's true. People wouldn't say stuff to you, or did you ever have to defend Sam? I don't remember anybody saying stuff bad about him or in high school or anything. In our adult lives, there have been times when we were not very close to each other, and then other times where we've been close, there wasn't ever animosity or anything like that. When I thought he was going through hard times with addiction or struggling with work issues or divorce stuff, I've felt bad for him. I know he's had my back when I went through a divorce as well and I felt like he supported me with that and and just like everybody all you guys really supported me with that stuff so so yeah there have been times where I've been frustrated with Sam's decisions and stuff that he's done but it's never really shaken my love for him he worked for me for a while and he went back on drugs and that was one of the times he went back into rehab and I was kind of mad at that point but I got over it it was after one of your rehabs you worked for me do you remember that mm-hmm and then we did some online marketing stuff together, and then we started the electrical contracting business, and that went pretty well for a little while, and then it stopped going well because you had a relapse. You talked about that a little bit in another episode when that guy broke into your truck. That was during that time, so that was a hard time for both of us, but we got past it. Was there ever a time, Sam, that you worried that Dan wouldn't have your back? Like he'd done something that he wouldn't maybe be able to come back from, you know what I mean? I still think he'd have my back. No matter what. I mean, we've been mad at each other, but we've never been like, you know, I'm done with you kind of thing. That's awesome. Thanks, Mandy, for that question. Okay, here's another question. This is a recent question from a listener named Liz. We don't know who she is exactly. We know some Liz's, but we're not sure. I guess you did some electrical work in her house, and she didn't quite finish it. Well, we have bad news, Liz. He's not going to be able to finish that not doing electrical work anymore. Her main question is, Sam, what would you do if your daughter was taking opioids for pain after surgery? I'd probably just make sure I held the bottle and gave them to her on time. And if I saw any sort of sign that she's getting a little addicted, you got to stop her and have her be uncomfortable for a couple nights. The next part of her question is, how would you handle the situation if you suspect addiction? I just ask because they're going to lie until they're ready to quit. You want a big fight, you can fight. But the best thing to do is just ask often. And, and if they deny it, just go with them. They say, 
I did not. I never have. I haven't for so long. Say, okay, walk away. And then ask again later. Yeah, and then maybe the next day ask him again. Or they tell the truth and want to quit. What do you think of that? Yeah, that seems like a good way to approach it. Did mom and dad ask you a lot? They never asked me that. They never asked you that? They never said, are you addicted to drugs or are you on opioids? You weren't really addicted to opioids when you were under their roof, though, right? You were more drinking. Would Paula ask you a lot? No, she'd just be suspicious. Like, when's the last time you were on, how do you say it? Opioids. I'm on opioids right now, just not very much. Does that scare you? Yeah, it does. Were you on it before you came to the hospital? Nope. So when you come to a hospital, are you worried that if they give you one, that will be it for you? No, even like this time, I have to be out or in a lot of pain to take any. Don't you feel tempted to just take them, you know, after all this? Yeah, I do. It's like the last two weeks has been so bad that I've just been taking them as directed. Do they come and they bring them and you say no thanks? Like I just buzzed them. Someone will come down and I say, I'm ready for my pain med. And then the other guy will come down. Every four hours is the max. Have you ever tried to get more? Like more than every four hours? No way. Seems like it'd be scary to get any kind of surgery after you've had that. Do you have another question? Yeah, I've got a question right here. This is from Emily Osgathorpe Moore. Sam, do you believe it is possible to overcome drug addiction? Or once you're caught in it, are you pretty much doomed? I don't think that you're doomed, but I think you're going to be one of the luckiest people on the face of the earth if you get out of it. So the doomed percentage is pretty high up there. Yeah, we know a lot of stories of people who didn't get past it. Yep. But we also know people who have. Yeah, there's people that have. So it's not easy. The next part of her question is, she says, if yes, like if you are able to get over it, how do you overcome drug addiction? What helps? What doesn't? Mm, That's really hard. Well, first let's ask this. Do you feel like you are over your drug addiction? Probably not right now. Just because if you've taken one in the last 24 hours. Because you're on meds because of your illness right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the alcohol? Not that I felt. You don't have an urge right now to drink a beer or whatever. Like you're past that. So if you woke up tomorrow morning and you just had the best sleep of your life and it's like, holy cow, I just feel fine. And you got up and walked out of here. You feel like you would be able to stay clean right now? Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think I, I know I could. Oh, that's good. Well, that part of her question that says, what doesn't help? Yeah, that's a good question. What helps and what doesn't help as far as overcoming addiction? En- enabling the addict. What are some ways people have enabled you? Mostly it's access to money or anything. It can be any kind of gift to help make life easier. What doesn't help is enabling what does help. I don't know how you get over it because I tried for 20 years. It took me having my girls get older and for me to just be like, this is so stupid. Did you try going to meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcanon type meetings? It It didn't work? Not for me. I didn't like it at all. What else did you try? I went to that and I went to an LDS group once. It was fun. You go to counselors or outpatient stuff? Um, I've done an outpatient program before. So, Sam, you were saying that for 20 years you didn't have any idea how to get over your addiction, but when your daughters grew up or something, what was it that finally got you to the point of realizing you needed to do something different? I just got so sick of it, and I was just tired. It's a real runaround. It really is. All the little things they come up with to sneak it. and All that the addicts do to sneak it? Just everything was Everything tiring. about the whole lifestyle, trying to be sneaky and... Trying to scrounge up money all the time. It's hard. 
And not being honest with people close to you, probably. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is hard. What was it that got you to that realization or to that point where you're like, I'm so sick of it? Or was it your daughters reaching a certain age? Or Yeah, I think so. They all just started looking at me a little different. And they had not let me see Trace. Trace is your grandson? My, yeah, my oldest grandson. He was almost one before I even got to meet him. Because they thought you were not in a good place or yeah. bad influence. What was that year like? Hell, I was living at Karen's, luckily. It was good to talk to her. Our oldest sister, Karen. Yeah. Can you remember the day you stopped or that you, like, hey, this is it? Nope, I should have. Did you do anything different at that moment where you decided this is it? Did you go back into a rehab or what did you do? No rehab. I just went into a pharmacy and got the best pain reliever I could get. A leave, I believe. Like over the counter and just yeah. started taking those? That's all he told me to do. Who's it that told you? Doctor? Pharmacist. You mean you told the pharmacist that you were going to get off these, and he said, just take these? So you went through withdrawals by yourself? Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> Pronunciation. You. Withdrawals. Withdrawal. Where were you when you were going through withdrawal? The La Quinta Inn. <laughs> Are you serious? You went to a hotel? Uh-huh. In Provo? Uh-huh. By yourself? Yep. How long did you stay there? Five days. Wow. What happened? You just laid on the bed and what? Yeah, just nothing sick. happened much. Just... Laid on the bed or... And you're sweating and you're throwing up? Mm-hmm. Were you scared? No. Just knew you had to endure it? Yep. Well, after you did that whole thing, did you switch to drinking alcohol more than you had been? Probably, yeah. So instead of the pain meds, you switched over to that? Yeah. How much were you drinking? Some days I'd drink all day, wake up, pour it in my coffee cup. Do you feel like that was just replacing... Yeah, just Placing one addiction with another. With another. So you felt like you went straight into being an alcoholic? It was probably easier to get alcohol, so less stressful maybe. Yeah, true. But alcohol never was my favorite. The end when I fell in love with beer. I liked it a lot. So I've been drinking lots of beer for quite a while. That's what you started on when you were young, right? Yeah, you've been drinking off and on the whole time. Once I got divorced, I was like, sweet. You don't need to hide it. So how much beer would you drink in a day? You know that big Mountain Dew mug I had could hold exactly three beers. Like 64 ounces or something? Do you just fill that up with beers and... Suck that down. Jump in the shower. Get ready for the day. You do that before you Sometimes, leave? yeah. And then would you take it with you all day while you're working? Mm-hmm. So how many on a regular day? You drank three of those before work, and then you're drinking them all during work. How many beers, if those are three at a time, would you put away in a day? Probably 15. 15 beers. By the end of work, were you drunk, or was that not even enough to get you drunk? Nothing, because it's over quite a long period. Okay. So that was pretty much every day? Yeah. Okay, so our next question comes from Katie Johansson. Do you guys know Katie Johansson? I don't know. I might, but I'm not recalling it right now. Sounds made up to me. If this is someone that you know really well and you're just blanking on her name, it's going to be awkward. I know. I know someone named Katie Jo. I don't know her last name. Maybe Katie Johansson? You guys, let's move on. Has that happened to you before? No, I never sliced anybody up and murdered them. What? <laughs> what are you talking but about? If you do that with somebody and then you get away oh. with it, that just comes into your conscience. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where are if we I going? If I don't know their name, I'm going to slice them up or they're going to slice me up or what are you doing? Well, I'm just saying Katie Johansson has asked a very nice question and you guys don't even know who she what is. What if she's your old yeah, girlfriend? She, she might be your girlfriend. I would remember that. You made that. out with her. To all the girls I've loved before, I know their names. To all the girls I've loved. Guaranteed. No, okay, anyways, Katie, Katie, Katie Johansson. We're going to call her Katie Joe. With jo. a C. 
What's a C? a C? I think she's one of your friends, and you're not remembering, and it's going to come back to bite you. But you're, you're projecting. This happened to you. Katie Jo, thank you for this awesome question. Okay, so first of all, she says, Sam, first, you are brave. I love seeing how your family circles around you with true love. And then her next part of her question is, how has addiction and sickness affected your testimony? Basically, your belief in a higher being, you know, Jesus Christ or God or whatever. Well, it's obviously strengthening to one's testimony. What is strengthening? Going through trials where you have no one to rely on but yourself and God. Do you feel like God has been there for you? I've made some terrible deals with him over the past like month. Just keep me alive tonight or just keep me going through tomorrow. I'll do this or that. You really have in your head made... You never do that? Yeah, I have. I'm just asking. I haven't been as close to death as you have. Sometimes I do just find my keys. (laughs) After you find them, do you go to church? It's kind of easy to forget afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't go that drastic. I'm not going to put up flyers and everything running for bishop, but... (laughs) But do you feel like that God or a higher being, you believe in that? Sure. Okay. Good. Well, thanks, Katie Joe. So we'll just wrap it up with that. We've covered a lot of good questions. Thank you again to our listeners for all of your awesome questions. Lots of questions. Those are good ones. So please continue to send questions. We love them. Go to www.myalmostdeadbrother.com. Just real quick, we'll mention we did get a response from Wade Douglas. We talked the last episode about his offering to take us to his place in Georgia to go watch a University of Georgia football game. His treat includes flying you and not flying me, but that's okay. It's that's okay. That's fair. Yeah. And getting us tickets to the game and staying at his house. So that's pretty sweet. So Wade, we are very... So in- stoked. We just need Sam to get healthy and it may not be this football season, but next year, let's look at some dates and hopefully we can make that happen. But thank you very much if for that. To record a podcast episode while you're there, maybe Andy and I should come too. Oh, yeah, that would be good. I don't think Wade's gonna cover your airfare. You guys could road trip it, maybe. Well, Larry's the executive or, producer, maybe he will. Yeah, we could, we could look at something like Just that. Let's get a van. We could get an RV or something. Okay, well, that's a wrap. We're out of time tonight. So, Sam, thanks for your attentiveness. You bet. It's fun. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Love the one you're with, always. That's always what you're going with. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. And I will say hasta la pasta. Hasta la vista. Over and out. Over and out. This podcast is hosted by me, Dan Knight, and features Sam Knight. It is produced by Katie Knight and Andy Ellis, with Larry Knight as the executive producer. Music by Dot and Then Dot. Check out more of their great music at dotandthendot.com. 